uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, called Paradox. It's going to be a journey uh, through the Psalms, uh, and it's going to cover 10 weeks. And so over the next 10 weeks, we are going to cover 10 different uh, Psalms. Now, I by no means uh, am an expert at all on Psalms. Uh, but one of the things of reading the Psalms over the many, 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 many years, that two truths that have encouraged me, blessed me, inspired me, is two truths I would share with you I've learned from the Psalms is, I'm a paradox, but God is not. I am a complete paradox, uh, but God is not uh, a paradox. And I wanted to define paradox for you. According to Webster, they would say, a paradox, a person or thing exhibiting apparently contradictory characteristics. A person or a thing uh, exhibiting apparently contradictory characteristics. So when I read the Psalms, and there's 150 Psalms that we have, I'm really, really encouraged and inspired by these Psalms because the authors and the composers who wrote these songs and these poems, I can relate with them and I can connect with them. Why do I say that? Because there are times where the psalmist, uh, the author of a psalm, will just say, God, thank you so much for being so close to me. I, your presence is, is tangible. And then like the very next day in the next psalm, they'll be like, where, where have you been? I, I can't believe you've abandoned me. But yet the day before is like, thank you for drawing so close. But then the next psalm is like, why have you left me? Don't you care about me anymore? Don't you love me anymore? One psalm might say, God, I just am so thankful and I praise you for all these amazing things that you have done in my life. But then the next psalm, the next day, the same psalmist will say, uh, is fearful and anxious and worried about the future because they can't seem to remember anything that God has done in the past. I see in these psalms, uh, the authors who have composed these psalms, these poems, these prayers, these confessions, uh, they're all over the place. And I don't know about you, but I can relate with that. There are some days where I'm like, God, you are close. And the next day I'm like, God, I can't even put two thoughts about you together right now. There are some days where I'm like, God, thank you so much for providing an answer to that prayer. And then the next day I'm like, do you still answer prayer ever? So we are a paradox. That's what I've learned about myself in the Psalms. But God is not. Uh, Brennan Manning wrote a great book in the early 90s called The Ragamuffin Gospel, and he said this, when I get honest, I admit I'm a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt. I hope and I get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I'm trusting and suspicious. I am honest, uh, and I still play games. And I loved what he had to say there because it's, it's true. We are often so like that when we're honest, bundle of paradoxes, believe and doubt, hope and get discouraged, love and hate, feel good about feeling good, feel guilty about not feeling guilty. We are a paradox. But here's why I love the Psalms, why they encourage me like they do. I may be a paradox, but God is not. And I wanted you to write this down. God is consistently consistent in who he is. God is consistently consistent in who he is. So regardless of what I do or don't do or how I feel or I don't feel, that doesn't change God. 
Like my ability to believe or my ability to doubt, my ability to love or my ability to hate does not change anything about God. So regardless of what I do or don't do or how I feel or don't, God is absolutely unchanging. God is committed to being God, regardless if I'm committed to being a paradox. God is consistently consistent in being who he is. So for me, I love reading through the Psalms because I connect, I relate with so many of these Psalms. But what I love is that God meets me in the place of where I am, as I am, and takes me to where I need to be with him. I can't tell you how many times the Psalms have been used by God just to encourage me, to inspire me, to keep going, to keep walking, to keep trusting, to keep praying, to keep seeking, to keep asking. So I love that the Psalms It helps me to understand I can be where I am, but God will meet me exactly in that place. Um, I have one hope. Uh, As we go through uh, the story, uh, the many Psalms, the 10 Psalms we're going to cover, I really have one hope as we walk through the Psalms. And it's just simply this, that we would walk with God. That's just my one hope for us over the next 10 weeks. Uh, Ten weeks from now, towards the end of the summer, uh, our last message in the Psalms will be the first Sunday in September, you will be asked this question, hey, how was your summer? You're going to be asked that by friends, by family, by neighbors, by coworkers, and I hope that you're able to say, hey, it was a great summer, we got to do this and see this and all these, but I hope that your answer at the end of this summer, when someone says, hey, how was your summer? You could say in all sincerity, in all honesty, with conviction, it was the best summer I've ever experienced. Well, my goodness, well, why? Because I walked with God. My heart for you is that we would not just have a good summer of rest and vacation and traveling and doing different things. My heart as we go through with the Psalms as our guide is that you and I, that we would walk with God. Now, I know for some people, the concept, the thought of walking with God is at best foreign. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm not even sure if I believe in God. I'm not even sure if I know that there is a God, nonetheless, that I can walk with him. So the concept, the thought of you walking with God, it might seem incredibly foreign. I I realize for some, the concept of walking with God is not new, okay? This is not a new thing, but if you're honest, you would have to say, but it's been a really long time. It's been a really long time since I've actually walked with God all day, every day. There might be moments where you catch a glimpse of walking with God. So for some, the the idea of walking with God this summer, it's not new, but it's been a while. And for some, again, concept might not be new, and you're like, I so desperately want to walk with God, but it's really hard to walk with God when you feel stuck. And that's how you might describe where you are right now. You just feel stuck kind of feet in the mud, and you're like, I so want to move forward. I want to get out of this rut, whatever the rut might be. And so the concept of walking with God excites you, but the place where you are right now, uh, you just feel incredibly stuck. So my heart for all of us, no matter where you are over the next 10 weeks uh, with the Psalms as our guide, is that you and I would just walk with God. I'm excited come September that when we get asked that question, that the many of us would be able to say, it was an amazing summer, best summer of my life, because I learned anew or afresh how to walk with God. And so if that's the hope, that we would walk with God using the Psalms as our guide, 
I wanted to give you two invitations. Uh, two invitations, and obviously the, the big overarching hope is that we're going to walk with God, but here are two invitations to go along with that. The first invitation would just be this. Walk in absolute honesty. Walk in absolute honesty. As you're going to see in the Psalms, the psalmists are always honest, often brutally honest. You're going to read some of these Psalms and you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe that's in the Bible. I, I can't believe they actually put pen to what their heart was feeling. But one of the things that the psalmist, the composer of these Psalms realized is God knows all, he sees all. So what is the point of hiding from God what he already knows, what he already sees? And these Psalms are brutally honest. When someone's angry, they don't hold back. When someone wants judgment, they don't hold back. When someone is fearful or scared or anxious or worried, they don't hold back. So my invitation to you would simply be this. Walk in absolute honesty. So here's a question. If you were going to be honest with God right now, what would you say to him? If you're going to be honest with God, and again, he already knows he already sees all, he knows all, but if you were going to be honest with God right now, what would you say? How many of you would, if you're being honest before God, would just simply say, God, I'm frustrated. I'm absolutely frustrated with what is going on in my life or what is not going on in my life. How many of you would say, God, you want to know how I feel? I'm lost. I am completely lost. I have no idea how I got to this place, but I am overwhelmed with a sense of lostness. God, do you want to know how I feel? I feel alone. I don't feel like I have any human connection, and I certainly don't feel like I have a connection at, at all with you. God, do you want to know how I feel? I'm angry. I cannot believe that this continues to happen in my life. If you're going to be honest with God, what would you say to God? He already knows he already sees, and one of the things that I love about the Psalms is they were honest, often brutally honest to God. And here is the beauty of being honest. God already knows how you feel. He knows all. He sees all. But when you give voice to your reality, it enables you to come to God as you are rather than waiting to come to God as you think you should be. Too many of us are thinking, well, I can't come to God until all of this junk in here is dealt with, where God says, if you would just get honest with me, I will meet you in that place and take you to where you need to be. Another way of thinking about this, and one of the things I love about the psalmist is they were mask-free. They did not wear a mask before God. They were completely honest, mask-free, but often what prevents me from walking with God is I approach God with a mask. And my mask is, God, I got it all together, everything is going great, but underneath the mask, I'm dying. But when I take off the mask and when I finally just get honest with God, with where I'm at and what's going on, it just frees me to come to God as I am, and God meets me in that place of where I am. One of the things, if we're inviting you, inviting myself, to be honest with God, uh, here's an exercise. This, uh, there's a note in the bulletin on this, but uh, one of the things I want to invite you to do is to write a psalm. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I want to invite you to write a psalm. Some of you might write a psalm every single day. Some might write a few. Some might just write one. But in the psalm that I would encourage you to write, I just would encourage you to put pen to paper of this is where I'm at. 
This is my reality right now. Put pen to paper of what a psalm to God would be. And if you would be interested and willing and desirous, uh, starting next Sunday at both services, we're going to have men and women share their psalms. And the reason we're going to do that is not to, like, I don't know, embarrass anyone, but as we're going to read these psalms this summer, I promise you, you're going to be encouraged by someone's honesty before God. Because you can connect with that, you can relate with that, you can be encouraged by that, you can be inspired by that. So one of the things that we want to do is share our psalms that we're writing with one another as a way to be encouraged. So invitation number one is be, walk in absolute honesty. And the second invitation I wanted to give you is this, walk with someone else. If the heart behind this series called Paradox, A Journey Through the Psalms, uh, is that we would walk with God, and we're going to walk with God in absolute honesty, I wanted to invite you to make the decision to say, I'm going to walk with someone else. While I was in uh, France uh, for 10, 11 days, I had the privilege right at the end of the trip uh, to meet a young man named Justin. And uh, over the Uh, the period of our conversation, I was able to speak with him for about an hour, and thankfully, he spoke English well enough uh, because my French is as good as we and bonjour. So thankfully, he spoke uh, English enough for us to carry on a conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, I was able to talk to Justin about God and say, Justin, I just want you to know that there is a God. God is real. And I want you to know, Justin, that God cares about you, that God knows you, And that God's desire is for you to have a relationship with him and to walk with him. And this took probably a 30, 40 minute, over the period of 30, 40 minutes. Just in this whole time as we're talking and I'm sharing with him uh, about who God is and what God is like, he's just smiling from ear to ear. And finally, I just I said, Justin, what are you smiling about right now? Like, where is this smile coming from? And this is, this is what he said. said, no one has ever told me this before. I had no idea. I had no idea that there was a God who would want to walk with me, but I always wondered. I always wondered. And he said, but now I know. And of course, I'm doing this in front of him, and he's probably <laughs> thinking all Americans are big crybabies like me. <laughs> but I was so brokenhearted, because I was like, how could you have lived on this planet as long as you have, and no one told you, no one told you that there is a God, that he is real, that he knows you and cares about you and loves you and wants you to walk with him. And so this summer, I wanted to invite you to walk with somebody else. I have to believe that in your sphere of influence, in your life, whether it's your own spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. I have to believe that there are people in all of our lives that we would say, they don't know. They don't know who God is. And I wanted to invite you to invite them to walk with God and then walk with them. If you honestly want to experience the fullness of walking with God, then invite someone else in your life to walk with God and then walk with them. There is no greater joy in this life than being used by God to see somebody come to understand there is a God. And this God cares about me, knows me, loves me. And God uses you in that moment to help make that connection. 
to help bridge that relationship, begin that relationship. There's no greater joy. But I think in, in this church, in churches around the U.S., there are men and women who've never had that experience before, who've never had the experience of actually sharing God is real. He's alive. He knows you, cares about you, loves you, and wants to walk with you. And I wanted to invite you this summer to share that with somebody. If you would experience fullness of walking with God, then help somebody else who does not know him walk with him, and you walk alongside them. So who might that be? Because I want to encourage you to do this today. Encourage you to do that this week. And I know for some of you, you're like, Michael, that is way outside my comfort zone. When Justin told me why he was smiling, I was so excited, but I was so brokenhearted. Like, how has no one told you this? To me, that compels me to invite people to walk with a God that wants to walk with them. So who might you walk with this summer? Those are the two invitations I wanted to give you. Is The heart is, let's walk with God using the Psalms as our guide, and let's be honest with God, and let's invite other people to walk with God with us. Uh, ten weeks, ten Psalms. I wanted to share with you before I jump into the one verse that we're going to look at today, uh, what we will not do in the Psalms. Um, let me ask a quick question. How many people journal? Like, just raise your hand real quick. How many people journal? I'm not talking about, like, Dear Diary, you know, today I had Lucky Charms and wore a blue shirt. I'm talking about just, you, you put your thoughts on paper, you write prayers, you write ideas, you have questions, whatever it might be. So for those of you who journal, and for those of you who don't, you should. It's an incredible exercise. Uh, but for those of you who journal, can you imagine if I took your journal from you, and I studied your journal, and I, I, I like looked at the words, and I studied each of the words, and I started like parsing out different words and different phrases and, and different things, and then I took your journal and basically gave a dissertation to, say, 500 people on your journal trying to make sense of what's happening in your head and heart. I think if you did that to my journal, I would be terrified. So we're not going to do that in the Psalms. My heart is not to present a dissertation week after week of, well, let's look at this word, this word, this word. The, the Psalms are songs that are meant to be sung. I love how C.S. Lewis said it very well in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. The Psalms are poems, and poems intended to be sung, not doctrinal treaties, nor even sermons. And I read that, I was like, oh boy, I just planned an entire sermon series on Psalms. But what God really encouraged my heart with that is just take the Psalms and just ask the simple question, how did this help this person to walk with God and how might it help us to walk with God? I hope you could look at my journal. I hope I could look at your journal and say, you know what? I don't need to understand all of these things, but this is how this is helping this person walk with God and how it's helped me to walk with God. So that's what we're going to do this summer. 10 Psalms over the next 10 weeks, not looking to tear the Psalms apart, but just looking to learn from them. How could this help us walk with God as these Psalms help them walk with God? Let me pray. God, we commit to you these next 10 weeks. God, I pray that at uh, 10 weeks from now, each of us would have a testimony, a story that we walked with you. And God, maybe that's going to be a story for the very first time for somebody. 
and maybe for many other people, it is going to be a fresh story. But God, I pray that when we are asked 10 weeks from now, from friends, from family, from coworkers and neighbors, how was your summer? God, we could say with great joy and confidence and conviction, it was an amazing summer because we got to walk with God. And so God, I pray as we begin this journey through Psalms that we would be honest. It is so ridiculous to to be anything but honest before you, God. You know us, you see us, you know all and see all. So God, I pray that today, if we've got a mask on, if there's walls up, if we're trying to fake it and go through, I pray today, God, we get honest. God, I pray that this coming week and these coming months, we would be absolutely honest before you. And God, I give thanks in advance that you meet us in that place of where we are. I'm so confident, God, that you take us to where we need to be, which is just with you. God, I pray for one person that we might be able to invite this summer to walk with you and that we would walk with them. God, if that freaks somebody out, if that is way beyond uh, the comfort zone, God, I pray you would fill us with courage. God, I, I pray you'd fill us with joy and just helping to see somebody else make that decision to begin the journey. So God, we commit today and these next 10 weeks of walking through the Psalms as our guide. God, we desperately want to learn and grow anew and afresh of how to walk with you. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So I'm excited uh, for today to share with you one psalm uh, and one verse within that psalm. And um, this isn't an exaggeration or an overstatement, uh, but I would say this is probably the psalm that has been used most in my life over the past 23 years, uh, because that's when I first came into contact, or at least remember, uh, this one verse in Psalm uh, chapter 86. Uh, I was early on in my college years, and I remember sitting in church, and the pastor was given a great message, and the whole time as he was giving this message, I could not stop thinking about one thing. And the one thing that I kept thinking about through this entire sermon 23 years ago is, God, I so desperately want to walk with you. But there was something within me that was still so enticed by doing everything else that my flesh wanted to do. And I was sitting there in the chair that day, listening to him preach a great message, and there was so much conflict within my heart. My heart was absolutely divided wanting to go with God, but everything in my flesh was like, no, but it's so much more fun to do this, so much more appealing to do this. And then towards the end of the message, the pastor just simply said, hey, if there's anyone here, and there's probably about a thousand people in the room, if there's anyone here that's wrestling right now with having a divided heart, I was like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. I, I want you to do one thing. In a few minutes, we're going to have some people who would love to pray with you and to pray for you, specifically if you are having that that battle right now of a divided heart. I want you just to have someone pray with you. And specifically, they're going to pray Psalm 86, verse 11 over you. And Psalm 86, verse 11 says this, teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I heard that. I was like, I never heard that before. King David wrote Psalm 86. King David's prayer was, give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. And so he said, if that's you, come forward. 
And so I did. At the end of the, towards the end of the service, I came forward. And there was this big dude, uh, probably about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, outweighed me by many pounds. And he just said, hey, let me pray for you. And he put his big old hand on my, uh, on my shoulder, and he started praying. And he got to the part in Psalm 86, uh, verse 11, where it says, give me an undivided heart. Again, my head is down. My eyes are closed. I could feel his hand on my shoulder. And as he prayed, God, give this man an undivided heart. He hit my chest so hard that it knocked me back like two or three steps. And I literally opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get in a fight. Like, I came up for prayer, and now we're going to do some MMA at church. And I was so taken back that I mean, it wasn't like he tapped me, like, hey, give that guy an undivided heart. Like, he took his fist, and he hit my chest. And I literally, I looked at him, and his eyes were still closed, and he just kept praying. And I was so taken back that he hit me, but then as he kept praying, God was like, you needed to have someone hit your hard heart to begin the process of softening it. And I was like, wow, my divided heart had become so hard towards just wanting to do my thing versus doing what God was inviting me to do. And I never forget that moment when that dude hit me. And it hurt <laughs> a lot. And I just remember thanking him when I, when, when I uh, walked away from that time of prayer. And I just said, thanks for, thanks for that. And uh, it wasn't like he was like, listen, man, I, I didn't plan on hitting you. I just felt like I was supposed to. And I was like, well, that's, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but my question that I began to wrestle with then and a question that I've wrestled with now is I know what it's like to have a divided heart. And I'm going to guess that you do as well. I'm going to guess that you know exactly what it is like to have a heart that just says everything in your soul is like, I just want to go this way. I want to so desperately walk with God. I want to do all those things that I know God wants me to do. But you know what it's like to have that divided heart where it's like, but gosh, it seems so much better to go this way. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think all of us know exactly what it's like to have a divided heart. And so I ask myself this question. Well, what is it that causes division in my heart? What is it that causes my heart to be divided against God and, and divided towards wanting to do me, all the things that I want to do? Now, I'm going to share with you two answers to that question that are personal to me. They might not connect or even resonate with you, but this is my question of what causes division in my heart. And as I share this with you, I would just ask you, how would you answer the question? What causes your heart to be divided from going the way that God wants you to go and actually wanting still to go the way that you want to go. I wrote it down like this. The very first one that I wrote, just two of them. Number one is identity confusion. Identity confusion. And what I mean by identity confusion is looking to shape and form an identity around what others think of me rather than around what God says to be true of me. Anytime that I am confused with my identity and what God has said of me and Every time I begin looking to form an identity or shape, fashion, form an identity around what other people think of me, and I begin to start doing things in hopes that people will think of me in a certain way, the one impact that that has on my heart is division. Because I know what God has said of me. I know that God has said, Michael, you're my son, and I love you perfectly, and I love you unconditionally. 
I know what God has said, but the identity confusion kicks in when I'm like, well, but I'm still so appealing to have other people think of me very highly, other people to respect or to admire. And so you start doing things in order to get that respect and that admiration. Um, Soren Kierkegaard, in a good book called Sickness Unto Death, said this, it is the normal state of the human heart to try and build its identity around something besides God. Every time I try to build an identity outside of who God has already said I am, my heart is completely divided. Uh, She was very popular uh, in the 80s, early 90s, so you might not know of this woman called Madonna, uh, but Madonna was interviewed years ago uh, by Vogue magazine, and she didn't use the language of identity confusion, but when I read this article, my heart was broken for her of how divided her heart must be. This is what Madonna said in a Vogue article. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. So I get sad for that. I get sad for someone who would say, I still have to prove that I am somebody. And it's like, Madonna, how could you possibly spend your life doing that? I'm like, oh my gosh, I do the same thing. Every time I'm trying to prove to you or anyone else that I am somebody, that is a divided heart stemming from an identity confusion. So that is, for me, one of the biggest things that causes identity con- uh, uh, division of heart is identity confusion. A second thing I would share with you that causes division in my heart is just simply walking in the wrong direction. Walking in the wrong direction. If you would have interviewed me 23 years ago, when I first came across Psalm 8611 and asked me the question, Michael, what's your heart's desire? I would have been like, oh, my heart's desire, I just want to walk with God. I just want to be that guy that just walks with God, goes wherever God wants me to go. But the reality of me back 23 years ago was that I was more committed to walking with God in the direction that I wanted to go. My attitude was, I want to walk with God, but me and God are going to walk in this direction, and my hope or expectation is God is going to bless me as I go in the direction I want to go, and I'm going to call it walking with God. And every time that I've done that, walked in the wrong direction, it has left me once again with a divided heart. Which direction will you go, Michael? The direction that God has called or the direction that you ultimately want to go? Uh, Larry Crabb in a great book called Finding God said this, If I'm to walk with God, one thing is immediately clear. We must go in the same direction. So simple, but so powerful. If you're going to walk with God, then walking with God begins in going in the same direction. God doesn't negotiate. He invites me to join him. He will not go with me on side trips. He will not go with me on side trips. For me... Uh, The idea of really walking in the direction I want to go and just asking God to to bless that has caused incredible uh, division in my heart. But I want to ask the question, why? Why would walking in a direction different than what God wants, why would it actually cause your heart to be divided? 
Because the answer is the message that you send to God when you're walking in the direction you want to go is, God, I know you're God, and supposedly you know all things, but you don't know enough because this direction is so much better. God, this direction that I've got mapped out, it is going to accomplish everything that I need it to accomplish. So the message that we communicate to God when we're walking in the direction we want to go that causes division in our hearts is, God, I just don't trust your plan. I don't trust your path. Do you know the first people who experienced a divided heart? Adam and Eve. First people to experience a division of the heart was Adam and Eve. God presented to them the path. I want you to walk with me in perfect friendship, perfect relationship. But then something happened. Yeah, but there's another path over here. And it looks so appealing. It looks so good. And the vision of the heart came, and they walked in that path, and it didn't work out for them. Now, my heart, as I share these two things of identity confusion and walking in the wrong direction, is if you really want to walk in the path of God, like if you really today want to say, hey, I don't want to have a divided heart because I'm walking in the wrong direction. I really want to walk in the path that God has for me. Well, I want you to know this because uh, you need to hear someone tell you that there are times where God's path will have you waiting. There will be times in God's path where it's going to leave you waiting. And sometimes waiting causes a lot of fear, causes a lot of anxiety, causes a lot of apprehension, and can often lead to division of heart. Sometimes the path that God calls you to walk will be absolutely confusing. God, this makes, this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. Why would you call me to go do this? It doesn't make any sense. God, it clearly makes more sense for me to go do that. So there are times if you will walk in the path of God, it will be confusing, leaving you scratching your head. I want you to know, if you're going to walk in the path of God, there are times where it's going to be really difficult. It will be very painful at times and very hard. The path of God does not mean everything is easy and it's a piece of cake. And because we know uh, that it's going to be hard, we're like, see, the path of least resistance so much better. I just want you to know, walking with God sometimes, if not often, will be difficult. It will be painful. I would want you to know that there are times where God's path, it is going to stretch you in ways that you never thought you possibly could get stretched. So I share these things with you because the beauty of walking God's path is it's always best. Do you know why it's always best? Because on the path that I want to go, God's not offering his his presence and his peace there. But when I'm walking with the, in the path that God has called me to walk, do you know what he says? Michael, even if it's confusing, even if it's stretching you, even if it's hard, even if it's waiting, I just, I'm with you. I will walk with you every step of the way. My peace, my power, my presence will be with you every step of the way. Out of all the things that King David prayed for in Psalm 86, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I would encourage you at some point today, open up your Bible to Psalm 86 to read the whole thing in its context. But in Psalm 86, King David asks for many things. 
Uh, he's asking uh, for a few things. He's asking for God's mercy. He's asking for God's provision to guard his life, to bring him joy. He's asking, God, listen to my prayer. But the last request that King David has in Psalm 86 is in verse 11, where he says, God, would you grant me an undivided heart? Now, I don't know what caused division in King David's heart. I'm guessing that there was identity confusion. I'm guessing that there was levels of walking his path rather than God's path. And so King David, one who knew what it was like to have a divided heart, says in Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The first thing that David asks for in verse 11 is just teach me your way. God, teach me your way. I need to know what your way is so that I can walk in that way. So if someone were to ask you, hey, what is the way of God? What would you say? If someone came to you in all sincerity and says, listen, I'm actually curious to know what is the way of God, what would you say? Would you have them do something? Would you have them believe something? If someone is asking you the this, this simple but very powerful question of, I want to know the way of God, how would you answer that question for them? How would you answer that question for you? Would you give them a system, a structure? Would you give them an ideal? Would you give them, what would you do? David, this is his question. Teach me. Instruct me. God, I want to know what your way is so I can walk in that way. Why? Because that way is the way of truth. And what I love about Psalm 8611, and not just this psalm, but the, the whole of Scripture, how it answers this question is the answer to the question of what is the way of God. The way of God is a relationship. It's a relational answer. The way of God is God. That's it. If someone wants to know what is the way of God, God what do you mean? The way of God is a relationship with God. Fast forward a few thousand years, uh, Jesus, who is God in flesh, is instructing a group of men known as his disciples who have been following him now for three years. And Jesus has been instructing them very plainly of what's going to happen to him, that he is going to be brutally murdered, and he's going to die, but he will be resurrected, come back to life. And after a certain time, he's going to go to heaven to be with the Father. And Jesus is instructing these guys, and he's saying, you know where I'm going to be going. And I love Thomas. Thomas says in John chapter 14, no, we don't. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. Jesus so confidently says, you know where I'm going, Tom. No, I don't. I got no clue where you're going. Thomas goes on in verse 5. So how can we know the way? And I love what Thomas is asking, very similar to David. I want to know the way. Jesus, you know something. I don't know it. Teach me what is the way. And in verse 6, so powerful, Jesus told him. And I think all the other disciples are listening. Like Thomas was probably standing here together, but when he's like, I have no idea, all the other disciples like stood back. Like Thomas is just there, Jesus looking at him. And Jesus looks to Thomas and says, I'm the way. Thomas, you want to know the way? It's, it's looking right at you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, Thomas, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Can you imagine what must have flashed through Thomas's brain Jesus just said, if 
You've seen me, which Thomas, clearly you're seeing me. You've seen the Father. In that moment, Thomas hears Jesus say, if you see me, Thomas, you're looking at God. What is the way that you're looking for, Thomas? What is the way that you're looking for, King David? That's the way of God. God is the way. He is the relationship that he's inviting us to walk with him. But here is the thing. Knowing that is not enough. There are many people who know that God wants to have a relationship with him. There are many people who know the way of God is God, to walk with God. But then they stop there. Why? Well, because their heart's divided. It's one thing to know the way of God is God, but it's another thing to actually walk in that way. And so King David prays a prayer in the psalm that has changed me for 23 years. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed this prayer. He says, God, teach me your way, because I really want to walk in that. And then he says, God, would you give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name? And I don't know that language of fear your name. It sounds archaic. It sounds a bit odd. But what David is praying, God, when someone says that I might fear you, fear your name, that I might have a sense of awe, that I might have a sense of wonder and amazement and reverence and respect for God and who he is. God, give me an undivided heart that I might have a sense of wonder and awe and amazement and respect and reverence, not for anything other than you. And this was his prayer. God, give me an undivided heart. Over 23 years, I've prayed that prayer many times. And if you're going to remember anything from today's message, I encourage you to write it down uh, like this. The one thing I want you to catch from Psalm uh, 86, uh, verse 11, is that God can unite that which I divide. God can unite your heart, the heart that we bring division to, the, the heart that we divide through identity confusion, going our own way, or whatever it might be for you. God and God alone can bring you to have a united heart for him. That, to me, has been the great gift over the past 23 years, is every time I have prayed, God, I did it again. I went my way. I got confused with my identity. God, would you please do a Psalm 86, 11 on me one more time? God can unite the very thing that I bring division to.